Welcome, welcome, welcome to the inaugural episode of Doug's Daily Double. On this show, my intent is to bring you daily, or let's just say near daily, uh, quick hits, five to ten minutes each topic, uh, two topics each day, depending on what's pertinent in the world of college football, Pac-12 football, and Oregon football. Uh, today's episode, we'll be talking about the Pac-12 schedule release, which just came out, as well as the transfer portal deadline, which is today. So let's get it started with the Pac-12 football schedule release. So let's start with the Oregon schedule. Um, in my opinion, this schedule could not have been more ideal. Uh, you know, maybe you move Utah to to week five and switch Stanford into week nine. That might be the only change I would make to the schedule to make it slightly better than it is. But it's still very, very favorable to Oregon. At no point during the year do they play back-to-back road games. At no point during the year do they play back-to-back weeks against teams which are projected to be in the top half of the conference. So it sets up very well. Let's just run through it really quick. Just released today. Uh, obviously, week one, Oregon will host Portland State, FCS team, in a tune-up game. That game's obviously not going to be close, but it's going to be a good opportunity for a lot of the new players on this team, which I think we're going to be about 45% of the roster will be new to Oregon, whether that be incoming uh, freshmen or transfers from the transfer portal. So it's a good tune-up game. Get everyone on the same page. Get the new offensive coordinator um, you know, get a game under his belt, Will Stein, and get all the new players a game under their belt. And then week two, there's a real test. It's on the road in Lubbock, Texas, against the Texas Tech uh, Red Raiders. Obviously, Texas Tech will be a top 25 level team coming into the season, so it's not going to be an easy win. It's a game you'd like to think Oregon should win. I mean, they should be a more talented team than Texas Tech. They should be able to go in there and get that win. But it's not going to be an easy one. It's not going to be a, a pushover game. Obviously, Texas Tech has um, Tyler Shuck returning at quarterback, a former Oregon uh, Oregon quarterback. So he's going to want some. He's going to have a little bit of personal. I don't want to say vendetta, but there's something personal in that game riding on on that for him. I'm sure. And then obviously Texas Tech is a tough place to play at home. They beat Texas there this past year, and and uh, their fan base will be loud, and that stadium will be full. And so that's going to be a tough road test for Oregon in Week Two. Uh, week Three, they come back home to Autzen to play the Hawaii Rainbows again. This is another game that should be a get-right game for Oregon, regardless of what happens in Week Two. It's the final tune-up before the conference season. Hawaii is a team that Oregon should dominate pretty easily. They're they're a middle of the road or worse team in the in the Mountain West, so it's not a team that Oregon should lose to, nor really even be in a close game with. So it's a good it's a good week three game for Oregon, and then um, week four they open Pac-12 play hosting Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. It's going to be a big uh, TV game, I'm sure. I think it will probably be the first choice of the TV networks that week for the Pac-12 games, uh, looking through the schedule. And that's something I'll touch on a little bit later. I see Oregon getting at least four number one choices throughout the course of the season, and we'll touch on those as we as we go through. So that Colorado game, Dion's going to be there. All eyes are going to be on on that game, uh, first conference game for Dion and, and Colorado. But again, Colorado is a team that Oregon should win handily against even with their transfers that are coming in, even with the new coaching staff. I mean, the talent disparity is just is just so large. And again, that game is in Autzen. So uh, week five, we go back on the road. The Ducks go to Stanford to take on the Cardinal and their new coach, Troy Taylor. 
again, this is a game that, that Oregon should win pretty handily. Um, you know, Stanford is a team that is in need of a full rebuild. Their roster is depleted. And, you know, Oregon has no business being in a game uh, down on the farm. And obviously they lost down there two years ago in, in, <laughs> in that uh, 2021 season. So we'll want to we'll wanna watch that for sure. But you know, after that, they have the bye. You'd like to think going through those first five games that Oregon is at, at a minimum four and one uh, with five and oh, a real possibility if they can win that road game at Texas Tech. And then, of course, they have the bye. And then coming out of the bye, they play um, Washington. So they go up to Seattle to take on the Huskies on October 14th. The Huskies will also be coming off a bye. The Pac-12 did a really good job again this year of trying to manage their buys so that the teams that play each other after a bye were both on the bye the week before. It's not universal, um, but just like last year, they managed to accomplish it for most of the teams across the conference this year. And, and Washington will have that same week. Week six bye is Oregon, and they will be coming into that game against Oregon. Obviously, it's going to be a big one up in Seattle. I think that's the second game of the season that will be the number one TV choice for the the conference network partners. So that'll be a game, big game up in Seattle in mid-October between Oregon and Washington. And really, you know, the loser of that game is going to have an uphill battle uh, to not only get to the Pac-12 title game, but but to get to the playoffs if that's the goal of either team or if either team is in reach of that. The, the winner of this game is going to have a big upper hand. The loser has a work cut out for them the rest of the way. Uh, moving on from there, we host Washington State the following week, and then we go to Utah the week after that. So again, this is a theme of Oregon's schedule where we never have those those two weeks in a row where we have a back-to-back, you know, top six opponent in the conference, which we saw obviously this past season having ending the season with Washington, Utah, Oregon State, Gauntlet. Uh, you know, Oregon does not have anything like that on their schedule this year. So they, they have the Washington game in Seattle, then they host Washington State, then they go to Utah in Week 9 on October 28th. Um, again, that's another one to have circled. Obviously, Oregon beat Utah this year. Rice-Eccles is always a tough place to play, of course, and Utah is going to be gunning for another shot at uh, their third consecutive Pac-12 title. So that's one to circle as well. Um, coming after that, we've got two home games in a row. First, Cal, so it's a nice little uh, you know home return after the Utah game, and then the big game hosting USC the following week, week eleven on November eleventh, uh, and all eyes will be on that one again. I think that will be the third, actually the fourth, because I have Utah also being a game that will be the number one choice of the conference that week. Obviously, this can change based on schedule, based on record at that point in time, right? If Utah. Or Oregon has vastly underperformed. It won't be the number one choice of the networks that season. But if both perform according to plan, I see the I see the Utah game and of course the SC game both being the the top choices of the networks in their respective weeks, which which gives um, Oregon four of those choices throughout the season, which is uh, second only. I, I'm projecting USC to get six number one choices um, throughout the course of the season. So Oregon would be second to USC with four. Uh, then moving on after the SC game, we go to Arizona State. A little bit of a trap game here coming off the USC game. We go to the desert to take on Arizona State and Tempe in week 12 on November 18th. Uh, and then we come back home, of course, to finish the season on a Friday night uh, against the Beavers in the Civil War on Friday night, day after Thanksgiving. Presumably night. I guess it could be day being a, a after a holiday game. So that'll be the the finish for the season for Oregon. That game will obviously also be a national televised game. It's the only uh, Pac-12 game on Friday, Black Friday this year. So they'll get a good time slot there as well with the TV partners. Um, kind of looking, stepping back, looking overall at the conference schedule. Um, you know, SC has nine straight games. They have two buys this year. They play a week zero game 
then Nevada in week one, they open the conference season with Stanford in week two. Then they get their first bye of the year. And then they have eight straight. Um, and then they end the season on a bye. So if USC is able to make it to the Pac-12 title game, they will have a bye the week before, which could be seen as an advantage for them. Um, those of you who remember, USC had the same situation a few years back, having a bye in the last week of the season. This is not a product of the conference screwing over USC or trying to make their schedule tough. This is a product of USC's out-of-conference scheduling. So because of their schedule with Notre Dame, where they alternate playing Notre Dame in the last week of the season, uh, last year in 2022, they played Notre Dame in week 13. This year, Stanford plays Notre Dame in week 13, which means there's no conference partner for USC to play that week. The way Stanford handles this is they always schedule an out-of-conference game when they have uh, when they have this situation. But USC has not done that, um, and they so they kind of schedule themselves into a bye in the last week of the season, and that happened again here. Um, they do have a little bit of a, a tough end of the season. So as they're in the you know the eight straight stretch, it starts with Arizona State, Colorado on the road, then they host Arizona, then they go to Notre Dame, then host Utah. So those back-to-back Notre Dame Utah games, then they get Cal on the road host Washington, go to Oregon, host UCLA to end the season. So their final three games are Washington, Oregon, UCLA. It's a little bit of a gauntlet for USC. We'll see how they manage to run that uh, at the end. Now looking over at some of the other contenders, Utah opens the season with Florida. They they did move that game up to Thursday, so that gives them a little bit of space between the Florida game and then going to Baylor in week two. Uh, Tough opening stretch for Utah out of conference. They open the conference gate slate hosting UCLA and then going to Oregon State on a Friday. So a short week there. Again, it's a little bit of a tough turn for Utah. And then you look at the um, after they have a bye, they host Cal, go to USC, host Oregon, go to Arizona, uh, sorry, host Arizona State, then go to Washington. So they got a little bit of a tough stretch there. USC, Oregon and Washington three out of four weeks toward the end of the season as well. Um, let's skip over to Washington. Now they open hosting Boise State. You know, Boise State's a team that Washington should beat, but that also showed a lot of improvement toward the back half of the 2022 season. So certainly not a gimme. Washington's going to have to be ready to, to play that game as well. They, again, play Tulsa at Michigan State in Week 3, a return game there, and then Cal and ASU to open the conference season before the bye, and then, of course, the Oregon game. Uh, and then later in the year, they go to Stanford to USC the following week, host Utah the week after that, go to Oregon State the week after that, and then host the Apple Cup. So their final stretch of of four games, five games really, is at Stanford, a little bit of a trap game there because then they go to at USC the following week, host Utah at the Beavers, then host the Apple Cup. So that's a a little bit of a a gauntlet there to end the season for Washington. Uh, Let's look at the Beavers now. Uh, uh, Beavers open the non-con They've got San Jose State and San Diego State there. Both of those should be manageable games for them. They open up the conference season at Wazoo and then host Utah on a Friday night short week. We talked about that before. Then they got Cal on the road, UCLA at home before a bye. So that's a pretty manageable first six games for the Beavers. Uh, you, you know, you like to see the spread there between Utah and UCLA, much like we talked about with Oregon earlier. And then they have two road games after the bye, Arizona and Colorado. Uh, be interesting to watch those play out. And then they end the season hosting Stanford and then hosting Washington going to Oregon their last two weeks of the season. So that that last two weeks is going to be make or break for Oregon State. I'm sure they're going to be riding high on the earlier parts of the schedule and then have that gauntlet there to end the season. You know, one theme I've seen throughout all of this um, 
is that the, the schedule, much like this past season in the Pac-12, the contenders are fairly loaded against each other in the back end of the schedule the last three weeks of the season, three to four weeks of the season. Uh, a couple exceptions, obviously, the Oregon-Washington game midseason there, and uh, you know Utah Beavers in week five would be the exceptions to that. But other than that, all of those games, you know, contender-to-contender games are stacked toward the end of the season. Um, I guess the last contender you might want to throw in there is UCLA. They have a pretty easy out-of-conference. They do play San Diego State and Coastal Carolina. That one's at home. Then they open the conference schedule at Utah, so that could be an early test for both Utah and UCLA. Uh, then they got the bye, Washington State, and then they play the the Beavers at the Beavers after Washington State, and then they got Stanford, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. And then they end the season at USC and hosting Cal. Uh, UCLA, once again, has an incredibly um, easy schedule this year on the whole. They don't play Washington. They don't play Oregon. Um, so they got a chance to make a run you know, toward the Pac-12 title game as well. So that kind of sums up the contenders. The whole schedule's online. You can see it all. But I, I think overall, the things I like about this schedule, if you're an Oregon fan, you have to be thrilled. I, I mean, you could not have asked for a better setup than this. Um, overall, I think the conference did a pretty good job of spacing out their premier game. So especially in the second half of the season, they have premium games, you know, every week that should draw uh, good eyeballs. They, you know, starts with Washington, Oregon in week seven. Then they got Utah, USC the following week. Uh, then they have Oregon, Utah the week after that. Then they got Washington, USC. Then they got Oregon, USC. Then they got USC, UCLA. And, of course, they got rivalry week in the final week of the season with lots of games there. Um, So really good job by the Pac-12 overall. Nobody seems to have any kind of, like, awful, like, back-to-back or back-to-back-to-back or, you know, a a Friday road game after after a Saturday road game kind of thing. So, I mean, it's never perfect, right? There's always some quibbles. But overall, I think that the conference did a pretty good job both in... Uh, fairness as well as giving you know their premium teams the best chance to have you know be highly ranked and have those premium games at the end of the year against each other and i think whoever does end up making it to vegas will have earned it this year uh, you know washington plays oregon usc and utah actually all four of those teams all play each other um you know oregon state and ucla which are kind of a little bit on the outside looking and maybe have a little bit a little bit more favorable schedule but not much i mean ucla still has to play utah and uh, USC and Oregon State. And, of course, Oregon State has to play Utah, Oregon, Washington, and UCLA as well. They don't, they don't have USC. But it's still, it's a strong schedule across the board. The, the two teams that make it to Vegas will have earned their way in. I think it's a little bit better in that regard than this past season um, where there was some, some scheduling advantages that helped some teams out. So that's kind of the schedule. We'll switch over to the second topic for today, and that's the transfer portal deadline. Uh, as everyone knows, the, the deadline for players to enter the transfer portal is today. It's today at midnight. Now, keep in mind, we may not hear about all those players right away. The schools themselves have up to two days to process the paperwork, do all the compliance work they need to do, and then enter the student's student-athlete's name into the transfer portal. So that can take up to two days, which means really... Some of these names won't come out until Friday, potentially even some, you know, Saturday... Um, depending on you know kind of when that when those things get entered and when they get reported on, and also depending on whether players choose to to announce themselves that they've entered the portal or they wait until kind of it gets reported by media after 
after all the processing happens and the lag and everything else. So keep that in mind just because you don't see someone in the portal, uh, you know, by today doesn't mean it hasn't happened. There's a lag there. The other thing to keep in mind, and, and this comes up a lot, especially with Oregon right now being at what I have listed as 92 scholarship players currently uh, scheduled for this fall. Obviously, the limit is 85. They're not gonna they're not gonna be at 92 come fall. A lot of people ask when do you have to get to 85. I mean, the the true answer is you always have to be at 85 year round. 85 enrolled student athletes who are on scholarship. So the the you have some leeway there you've got departing seniors and other players who have exhausted their eligibility the other thing is all the freshmen haven't come in yet right so you're not really at 92 right now until those guys start entering so it could very well be we see some more people enter the portal for oregon here this week but then the next portal window opens after spring ball so it could very well be that some of those players enter the portal then they may choose to go through spring ball or they may choose to finish out their winter term of classes and and finish up you know at the end of March and then leave the program at that time. So uh, just because we don't see their names this week doesn't mean you know they're leaving. We don't have to worry about the 85. The coaches, the compliance staff, they all have a good handle on this. Just because we don't necessarily all know everything that's going on doesn't mean the coaches are going to be over the scholarship limit. They know what they have to do. They have a plan to get there. I'm sure they they know way more information than we do. Uh, but right now I have Oregon scheduled at 92 with no additional additions. Of course, anybody else, that means we have to lose seven more players. Anybody else that gets added either through the second signing day coming up in February, like a Nicholas Harper, like a Roderick Pleasant, uh, like a Deuce Robinson. If any of those guys get added, then obviously that's one more guy that has to leave. And as well as the whether Oregon adds anybody through the transfer portal um, over the coming weeks or after the second window, again, that would be one more guy that would have to depart the program uh, on the other side. And keep in mind, the transfer portal window is a window to enter the portal. There is no deadline for players to leave the portal and find new homes. So just because someone is in the portal doesn't mean they have to find their new school by today. They have they can find their new school anytime. Once someone's in the portal, they can come out of the portal at any time, 365 days a year. The deadlines are only to enter. So that deadline will be today. Again, notices won't necessarily all come out until Friday or even Saturday. And then the second portal window opens up right after spring ball. Uh, I think it opens on May 1st, and it's a shorter window. It's only 15 days. So we'll be covering that all, of course, here on the QB11 show sponsored by Scoop Duck. Of course, always will be covered year round, every day. There'll be talk about this stuff over on Scoop Duck itself. So if you're not subscribed over there, check that out. And uh, I'll be back probably tomorrow with another edition of Doug's Daily Double. And we'll be back on the QB11 show within the next uh, few days as well. So thank you for listening. Take care.